0: Hi everybody, I'm Patrick McEnroe and this is Holding Court. All right, Fitbiomics is my new sponsor here on Holding Court, and I'm, I'm very excited about this because I've been looking for something to help me with my gut health. You know, I'm 55 now, my gut not quite as ripped as it used to be. Other middle-aged men will know what I'm talking about. So I've been hearing about this gut health and probiotics for some time, and just so happens that Fitbiomics came along, wanted to be a sponsor of my podcast, and Nella is their new product, It's a daily capsule of next-generation performance probiotics, which is is designed to help anyone, including yours truly, pursue a healthy and active lifestyle and reach a new level of their personal best. best you know, get that gut health, get that digestion better, um, sleep better at night. So, I am starting this out. I will do it alongside you. You can go to their website, Nella.fitbiomics.com, and you can use my code PMAC, that's P M A C 25, and you will get 25% off all products. Let's do this together. Let's see how our gut health progresses. All right, time for a little Tennis Tuesday, everyone. It's the first day of March 2022, and so much going on in the last couple weeks in the world of tennis. Of course, much of it being overshadowed by what's going on in the world. Of course, since I last spoke to you, the Olympic Games done uh, now, of course, a war going on in Russia and Ukraine overshadowing uh, much of what's going on in the tennis world, and the world in general, the sports world as well. Uh, so that's scary stuff. We've heard from a lot of uh, quite a few Russian players, Ukrainian players as well, essentially all calling for peace uh, in the region. Just uh, devastating stuff happening over there in Ukraine. Elena Svitolina putting out a statement Um Daria Saville, who who was married, of course, the Australian player, uh, putting out a statement. And just uh, even Daniil Medvedev, the Russian, who's now officially become number one in the world on the ATP computer, uh, you know, mentioning his post, of course, uh, what normally should be a moment of uh, pure joy and celebration for him. Uh, Not quite the same level of excitement for him, understandably, as he takes over number one as uh, troops from his country invading neighboring Ukraine. So Andrei Rublev, who won the title uh, just this past week over in the Middle East, writing uh, on the camera after his win, uh, no war, uh, let's have peace. So the tennis players uh, speaking out to some degree. Uh, even some, I'm hearing some calls for, uh, Russian players to be banned from competing in tournaments. I think that's taking things uh, a step too far. Certainly, uh, you would think that that should happen in Davis cup and the Billie Jean King cup where they're representing their country. That's one thing, but as individual athletes, uh, I certainly would not approve of that happening to these players that, uh, you know, have nothing to do with what their government is doing. But anyway, that's the political side uh, uh, in the world of tennis, so that will continue to evolve as things go. But let's get to what happened on the court in these last uh, couple weeks, particularly this past week. Of course, uh, highlighted by Rafael Nadal winning the title in Acapulco, his first tournament since winning the Australian Open in that epic five-setter against Daniil Medvedev. They met again. In Acapulco in the semifinals, and even though the scoreline looked pretty easy, 6-3, 6-3, trust me when I tell you it wasn't that easy. It was uh, just about a two-hour match, which for a three-and-three match is uh, pretty intense. It was intense. Uh, It was a lot closer than the score indicated, but at the end of the day, Nadal winning on a pretty slow, hard court. In Acapulco, using the things that he learned, I think, midway through that match in Australia, using the slice a lot more, obviously the whipping forehand. And You know, Nadal is just playing with so much confidence right now. He said during the course of the win in Acapulco, I think it was after the win, that he feels like he's playing with so much freedom now because his body was... uh, dealing with injuries for what he said, a year and a half, two years, kind of fight, trying to fight through it, uh, particularly that foot injury. But uh, somehow, miraculously, Nadal, over the course of the second half of last year, able to get himself healthy, uh, go to Australia with some questions in his own mind about how he would feel, and obviously played his way into shape during the run down there. By the way, won one of the warm-up tournaments, so he's now played three tournaments this year. And has not lost a match, fifteen and zero on the season, and remember all on hard courts. So that's the best start for his career ever. Uh, we'll see how he continues to do. Uh, he says he's expected to play in Indian Wells at the BNP Paribas Open. I would guess that if he goes deep there, he might pull the plug on Miami, but you never know. James Blake, our tournament director there, hoping that doesn't happen because, of course, Novak Djokovic uh, still very much up for grabs uh, and looking highly unlikely that he'll be able to come play those tournaments because of his uh, refusal to get vaccinated. So that continues to be an issue. Uh, We'll jump over to Novak. Of course, he played uh, in the Middle East this past week in Dubai, which, as I said, was won by Rublev who beat uh, Yuri Vesely in the final. Vesely uh, had an unbelievable run. He's ranked outside the top 100 coming in. He actually qualified, had to qualify for the tournament in Dubai. He beats Djokovic in the quarters. Novak had won a couple of matches over off and then uh, first round he beat Musetti. Uh, pretty comfortably, but then ran into Vesely, who was he got a really slippery lefty serve. He actually beat Novak once before on clay a number of years ago. So somehow he did it again. Uh, Novak, I mean, he looked like he was hitting the ball pretty well uh, in the first couple of matches. So uh, obviously was able to get into Dubai uh, despite not being vaccinated, but I'm assuming taking you know extra COVID tests as he was able to do pre-australia right during the during the uh, last year and a half at other tournaments but you know the rules continue to change and evolve although it, it does seem like we in the US at least are starting to come out. Of COVID, actually, my daughters go to public school here in Westchester County in New York, and the mask mandate uh, about to be lifted in schools. So they said to me this morning as I took them to school, "Dad, last day wearing the mask." uh, And then one of them said, "Well, I think we'll probably have to start wearing them again at some point." I said, "Well, probably not the rest of this school year. Maybe uh, in the fall." Uh, if there's another variant and it comes back but it certainly looks like as I was showing her the numbers in New York state I have it on my code my app on the uh, on my phone that shows all the covid numbers the numbers in New York state are well below two percent of people uh, testing testing positive so during omicron that was Well up to, I think, over 20% at some point. So it's gone down considerably. So Djokovic, look, he he gave his interview to the BBC a couple of weeks ago where he basically said he's willing to uh, accept the fact that he's not going to be able to play in a lot of tournaments uh, did leave it open that he would could potentially change his mind on the vaccine if there's quote unquote new information, but that doesn't seem to be uh, happening. So as it is, it it stands where it is. Djokovic is, um, you know, this is this is where his mind sets at. He does not want to take the vaccine, and um, therefore he's not going to be able to play in a lot of tournaments. Although Wimbledon did announce, I think it was Tim Hedman, who's on the board of the All England Club, of course, a former excellent grass court player who made multiple Wimbledon semifinals saying that he believes that uh, he will be able to get into the country and play at Wimbledon. again, a lot of these things could change over the course of the next months months as uh, the virus, you know, uh, tending going downward in uh, the Western country. So we'll see, how that plays out. Uh, so Nadal, despite being 15 and zero, it is Medvedev who takes over number one. The reality is uh, I can't sit here and say that Medvedev is the best player in the world. He's, he certainly, you know, I always say in tennis, you are what you are. The rankings don't lie. Well, in this case, maybe they do a little bit because obviously Novak hasn't been able to play uh, as much, even if he just played in Australia Uh, I believe even if he lost early, he'd still be ranked number one. So it's a little, you know, it's, it's, it's it's not quite accurate. And obviously Rafa not playing that much, but you got to say Medvedev. I mean, I would put Medvedev right now as number three in the world. I would put Djokovic still at one Nadal at two Medvedev at three, but because of COVID and because of the vaccine and, all these issues, you know, the rankings are what they are. That being said, you have to say uh, Medvedev uh, has certainly played awfully well on hard courts in general uh, in the last couple of years. So he deserves to be in the close to the top. Uh, again, you can't take it away from him because it is what it is. Uh, but it'll be a nice couple of hard court big tournaments coming up. Looking forward to the BNP Paribas open out in Indian Wells. I'll be out there for a couple of days, Unfortunately, ESPN. We're no longer covering those events. Uh, so I'll be there working with BNP, who uh, sponsors our tennis academy, the John McEnroe Tennis Academy in New York. They give money to uh, help our uh, our kids uh, to uh, play at a high level and travel and so on. So we appreciate that. So I will be out there saying thank you to them and their clients for a couple of days. Uh, what else can we talk about as far as what went on? Uh, a lot of oh, there's Alexander Zverev situation, of course, which happened in uh, while I was on vacation last week. I went down to uh, Puerto Rico with my daughters, had a nice little respite, so that's why my podcast was off for last week but uh, i mean what what is going on with this guy i mean this guy just completely lost it at the end of that doubles match marcelo Melo, who's supposed to be his great buddy well he is his great buddy i mean what the hell was he thinking not not reeling in uh Zverev, who clearly had lost it uh late in that doubles match it was a super tie break or Whatever match tiebreak you call it, to ten, they he got a. They thought was a bad call, and then he he he, he hit the umpire stand with his racket multiple times, uh, extremely violently actually, and almost hit the umpire in the foot. With the guy had a, the umpire had to move his foot, so he was immediately, Well, not immediately, but shortly thereafter, he was taken out of the singles. He was supposed to play the next day in singles, but I haven't heard. I've heard crickets from the ATP tour since then. I mean, maybe something will come out today. As I said, it's March 1st. I'm recording this in the morning. Uh, I have not heard what the uh, punishment will be for Zverev. I believe my personal opinion should be at least two months, maybe three months. Uh, he should not be able to play in the next couple of Masters events. I think he should be also uh, banned for the initial part of the clay court season. Uh, come back you know, sometime just before Roland Garros. It's, I think it's got to be at least two months anywhere from two to three months, I think, would be appropriate for what he did. Um, It was just absolutely outrageous, totally outrageous that uh, he just completely lost it. So I don't know what's going on with him. Obviously, he's had this other situation with the uh, sexual assault, which I've stayed away from because it hasn't, you know, I I obviously know it's out there. Uh, But when it comes to, you know, something that's sort of a he said, she said, Obviously you're going to believe what you hear from people, but, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's dicey when you want to put that out, um, on, uh, you know, during his matches, I felt like it wasn't the right place to do it myself personally. That's my opinion. Other people disagree. Uh, that's fine. But, uh, you know, now after this, uh, this is why I'm, you know, just mentioning it now, the, the, the woman who, uh, told her story, uh, never brought charges up. So, uh, Again, you know, it, when it when when it's that type of situation, you're sort of you I'm a little bit wary about it. And I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm just saying it's not out there as, y- y- you know, a public, uh, legal situation. So you hear stories about that, uh, and obviously it's concerning. But it's hard for me to put it out there uh, when I'm on ESPN or you know big networks. Here on my podcast, I'm just bringing it up because. Uh, the the fact that he lost it on the tennis, does that have something to do with it? I don't know. I really don't know. He's under obviously a lot of pressure. He's been asked about it many times. Um, you know, he hasn't had a great start to the year. None of none of those things are excuses. None. So that's why you know, to me, this should be about what he did on the court in Acapulco. Uh, He needs to answer for that and he needs to uh, suffer the consequences, which I think should be a pretty significant suspension and put on, and he should be put on notice that, uh, you know, the next one could lead to a six month suspension. So we'll see what happens with the ATP, but they've been awfully quiet on that. They've been awfully continue to be quiet on the China situation and Peng Shuai uh, and what's going on there. The Olympics, of course, went exactly as I predicted. Well, I shouldn't say I, as, I, as my China experts predicted. Yashui um, Andrea Warden, who I had on multiple times on the podcast, basically uh, predicted exactly what would happen during the Olympic Games, which is that Peng would be, you know, put out there to do another public appearance event, and that she would announce her retirement. They told me this months ago, and that's exactly what she did, what she did. And the reason she did that was so she can't leave China. So uh, the WTA has continued to say that uh, they don't believe that you know she's be- she's free. I mean, she's not. Uh, the Chinese government has obviously completely uh, got her under their wraps. Uh, Is she physically okay? She appears to be, but uh, clearly she's being monitored and clearly they're setting the stage for her to never leave China again. So uh, I think it's incumbent upon the tennis world to continue to try to reach out to her. The WTA has not uh, said they're going to back down on not having events in China. Meanwhile, the ATP calendar was released for the rest of this year. And lo and behold, events in China are still on the calendar. So uh, I don't know what the heck's going on over there at the ATP tour, but they are just being weak, very, very lame and weak in not addressing this and not making the decision to say we're not going back to China. So now we've got this war happening in Russia. So uh, the spotlight, uh, understandably, going off of China post-Olympics. Uh, When it comes to sports and politics and anytime anyone says to you, there's no politics in sports, that means exactly is politics in sports. It's it's like, no, there's no sport. There should be no politics in sport. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, FIFA just announcing that Russia is not going to be able to play in the world cup. Uh, along with UEFA, they run, you know, the European uh, tournament over there and the World Cup's taking place uh, later this year. So that's not going to happen for Russia, who's uh, normally in and not one of the favorites, but certainly one of the teams that can, that could do some damage. So the fallout will continue Uh, for tennis. It will be, um, you know, we'll have to follow what goes on uh, as far as You know, the Russian players, the Ukrainian players, you're continuing to hear some of them speak out. I mean, a tough situation. You've got, you know, these Russian players, Medvedev now number one in the world, Rublev, who's been on fire this year. I should mention him because he, you know, was unbelievable in Dubai, uh, winning that tournament, uh, beating Hercotch in a thriller in the semis. That went the distance. Um, Mackie McDonald also took him the three. Shapovalov made the semis there and lost to Vesely uh, in a third-set breaker. So that was tight in that one. Shapovalov, who seemed to have, have turned it around, this you know playing well this year. Oje Eliassime, of course, won one of the titles in Europe a couple of weeks ago, for finally getting off the schneid with his first title. So that was very nice to see as well. Uh, as far as the women go, an incredible effort last week in the Middle East as well from Iga fiantek who just had an unbelievable tournament um in Qatar. Uh Kantavate, who's been red hot the last six months, she destroyed her in the finals two and She beat Sakari in straight sets in the semis. This is Fiantech. She beat Sabalenka easily in the quarters. Uh she beat uh Khazizkina also. Coco Goff, by the way, had a couple of wins over there and then she lost to Sakari pretty comfortably uh Sakari had a pretty size so, a solid start to the year but Sviantec very very strong over on hardcourt, looking to be a little more aggressive use her athleticism not just be sort of a counter puncher so uh that was impressive from her uh we'll see what happens over the course again the two big tournaments coming up yet Sloane Stevens winning a smaller event which was a great um job by her in Mexico uh, came back from a set down uh, in the semis uh, against, uh, I think it was, uh, that was actually against a Russian who was, actually got injured. Well, she had a back injury. Kalinskaya had won the first. Stevens hung around, was able to win the second, uh, 7-5, and then Kalinskaya retired and then Buskova in the final, Stevens won that also in three. So good for her. She won a bunch of three-set matches, including over Daria Seville, uh, who's now playing for Australia, but Russian or Ukrainian. Uh, wait, where's Seville from originally? Because I know she married the Aussie. Got to make sure I get that uh, correct. So I'll look that up for you while I'm chatting away here because I don't want to. you do not want to mess that up at this stage of the game. Uh, so Stevens looking very, very solid. So you're back with, uh, her old coach there. A guy from Chicago who we like, what is Darius Seville? Gavrilova. Yes. She is off. She is Russian. Okay. She's Russian. Daria Gavrilova. She's now married to uh, the Aussie Luke Seville, who's a player from Australia. So, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how all this plays out. Uh, we, obviously the war, uh, is horrendous. So let's hope that, uh, peace comes fairly soon, uh, real soon. Uh, a lot of political maneuvering going on over there, but just scary to watch it on TV. Of course, uh, I was doing a lot of work for CNN, covering uh, the Olympics, covering obviously the Djokovic issue and other sort of sports-related topics. But all that's been uh, put on the back burner, as uh, of course they're all in on, understandably, and they've got uh, plenty of people over there in Ukraine as well. The CNN covering this, so they're doing a tremendous job on that. So that's my little Tennis Tuesday update. Uh, I think I got to everything I wanted to. Obviously, you can shout back at me with uh, any comments. Excuse me. Anything else you want me to dive into as we move forward and looking forward to Indian Wells and Miami. Patrick McEnroe here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.